Welcome to the Dear Nikki Mama podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Martha. And our mission is to connect the past and the present Nikki Mom by celebrating our stories and what our babies have overcome. Whether your NICU journey was 50 years ago or whether you find yourself in the NICU today, we hope that this podcast reminds you that you are not alone. Hi, and welcome to the Dear Nikki Mama podcast. It's me, Martha, and my dear, dear friend, Ashley. I love it when we do that. It's my favorite part of <laughs> our friendship. Yep. And the podcast is done. No. So today we have a special guest. Her name is Natalie Ryder of Prairie Land Counseling. She is a mental health professional. She specializes in maternal mental health issues and women's health issues. And remind me again of what the beautiful certification you have. Yes, a perinatal mental health certification. Ooh, so fancy. So exciting. I'm fancy. (laughs) We've had Natalie on here before to actually talk kind of about PMADS, perinatal mood and anxiety disorders in general. And that was a really great episode. And Mm -hmm. we find that we refer to it often with our Mm -hmm. peers um, in the support group. Um, And we wanted to talk more specifically about this idea of the postpartum body after NICU mm-hmm. because it's a specific thing and we see it come up a lot with our moms in the support group a lot of concerns about um the trauma experience and also um postpartum body image and also the idea that our body failed us mm-hmm. that's a really really common inner dialogue that we hear a lot of uh so we wanted to have you back to talk about that specifically mm-hmm. um, I and you, do you want to talk a little bit about our special campaign that we've had this month in the month of February? Yes. So the month of February is a very commonly, it's a love month. And oftentimes we see that in love with our partners and our relationships. But we wanted to do a spin on it and talk about loving ourselves. Mm-hmm. And we kind of talked about the difference that there can be between NICU postpartum and maybe a traditional pregnancy postpartum. And every postpartum journey is so very different. Mm-hmm. But we kind of um, took a different spin on NICU postpartum. And so we had a empowerment photo shoot, and it was powerful. And so throughout the month of February, we've had moms share about their NICU postpartum journey. Mm-hmm. So I'm really excited to have an episode dedicated to all things NICU postpartum. It's going to be yes. super great. Hashtag wise womb. Yes. Hashtag yes. wise womb. Trademark Randy K. <laughs> and this episode, we are going to try to split this into two separate episodes. So this first part, we're going to let Natalie take it how she sees, and then we'll cut it in half and we'll have a part two because this information can be a lot to process and take in. Yeah. And so cutting it into two episodes gives you a chance to come back to it, yes. kind of fast forward, rewind, mm-hmm. and then part two will be coming up the next time. Yeah. So. And actually, I'm glad you said that because before we you listen and you dive in and listen um this might be an episode that you want to get into a good headspace for Mm -hmm. just because there's going to be a lot of information and you might start thinking oh that's me or oh that's not me um and we just want it to be a positive and informative thing for you so if if you start to feel kind of anxious or or concerned when you're listening to it maybe pause if you're driving because uh we don't want you to be in an automobile accident um but find a safe space where you're comfortable and Mm -hmm. and you can listen to it in peace yes absolutely natalie would you just take a moment to just share with our listeners a little bit about who you are again yeah yeah sure (laughs) um so like martha said i am a licensed mental health counselor i have uh, my private practice is called prairie land counseling services and um it really focuses on um, women's health, particularly reproductive mental health. Mm-hmm. So infertility, perinatal, postpartum, and um, birth trauma, especially associated with NICU stays. 
Um, I do not have a NICU baby, um, but I have definitely worked with a lot of families that have um, had that experience in their lives. And so um, it's a near and dear place in my heart. Mm. I love it. I just love that there is a counseling service and a counselor like you that exists here in Fargo. I mean, that's just so beautiful that we can refer people to you and just the times that we've had you a part of events or on this Mm -hmm. podcast. I mean, it's just amazing that you're here locally with us. Absolutely. So awesome. I think that when you find someone who specializes as deeply as you you do, you are completely up to date on the most current Mm -hmm. research you pursue training consistently I just I think that's so valuable Mm -hmm. because it's it can be so specific and there's all these weird disparate elements that come into it it's you it's a new motherhood it's your relationship with your partner it's your relationship with your body it's traumatic so I just think it's really cool that you're like this Mm -hmm. vortex of like um, you're like the the ring from Lord of the Rings. I don't know. I just was watching it this weekend. That's why that came to me. Well, I'll take any of that. That's, That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. We're very words of affirmation here yes. on our podcast. Yes. Well, that's excellent, and we'll yes. definitely get to more of that later. Yeah, had a vision podcast that was just us complimenting each other for 25 minutes. <laughs> yep. It was like not that many lessons, but that's good. That's good. It was for us. I love it. So, um... I think a great place to start is just to say, what happens to our body and brain postpartum? Like, what the hey? <laughs> yes. So, um, neuroscience nerd alert. Yes, um, love it. Lots of big words and not so big words, but just kind of a really interesting understanding. So, um, pull up my notes here. Yes. yes. Um, so, the University of Brisbane... No, University of Barcelona okay. did a study where they specifically looked at um, 25 postpartum and pregnant women, and um, they did brain scans, and f- they followed them for up to two years afterwards. Mm-hmm. And what they found was that they actually had a reduction in their gray matter. Holy guacamole. Yes. That makes and sense. What does that mean? I'm sorry. What is <laughs> yeah. gray matter? <laughs> yeah. So gray matter is what makes up your brain. Oh. Um. Yeah. (laughs) Whoa. Right. I know. And so we're like, oh my goodness. So when they talk about things like mommy brain and Mm -hmm. and things like that, A, it's very real. Mm. Your brain actually goes through a kind of a different rewiring um, during pregnancy and postpartum. Mm. And the other thing that they found is that um, a woman's body is never um, flooded with so much sex hormone, Mm. um, except for during puberty, which is when it goes, again, through a large pruning Mm. Right. In your brain and mm-hmm. how it functions. And mm-hmm. so if you think about these two really mm-hmm. large transition wow. periods of time, mm-hmm. our brain goes through this very different rewiring process. Right. Mm-hmm. Wow. And for moms, they found that one of the big things that they um, saw rewiring in was in social cognition or in the way that basically people experience empathy. Mm-hmm. So if you think about like... Um, bonding and attachment and all those kinds of different things Mm -hmm. that is all rewired when you have a child Mm -hmm. and so yeah they followed these women for two years postpartum Mm -hmm. and the changes were still present two years postpartum and you can't regain gray matter so we just assume that those changes are very permanent Mm -hmm. but interesting to note um, fathers do not go through the same pruning um, and um, 
obviously partners who do not carry do not go through the same pruning because they're not flooded with the same amount of sure. hormone. Hmm. Wow. Interesting. Oh my yeah. gosh, I've learned more in the last two minutes than yeah. I have in <laughs> right? all of college. I mean, I even learned what gray matter is, so <laughs> my mind is completely blown. <laughs> wow. Oh my gosh. That's, I mean, it's just crazy to think of it as, as formative to your experience, to your life experience as the transition into adolescence, adulthood. I mean, mm-hmm. there are hundreds of movies about that and there's zero about postpartum. <laughs> right. Wow, yes. that's crazy. Um. So for NICU moms, right, um, it's interesting because they go through that postpartum element. Mm-hmm. And uh, also it happens if you deliver prematurely mm-hmm. and uh, halfway in your antepartum timeline. And uh, they're not in your body when technically they were supposed to be. Mm-hmm. If you have deliver at term, you're not having that immediate bond, you know, right. the skin to skin. There's a lot of different things that differ from the NICU mom experience postpartum. Right. Um, how how might those things add on to those changes? Right. So, you know, at this point, it's kind of hypothetical. I haven't found any really good hard science in terms of, like, this is what a mom who has a NICU experience brain looks like in terms of like the pruning or anything like that Um, but I mean if we even if we just think like hypothetically Mm -hmm. um, if your brain is already being rewired to promote attachment and one of the ways that we promote attachment is through like skin to skin and things kind of like that Um, and then also your empathy is also being fine-tuned watching your child that you're Uh. naturally and chemically attached to go through an experience, you know, your empathy itself is going to just be really kind of triggered. I never thought about that. I mean, yeah, of course it's hard, but when your body is also, I never, I never thought of that. I I can't, I don't even know that I would think to know about that. I right. just, it's yeah. like, my, you're blowing our minds. Yes. Also, <laughs> I know your work done. There we go. That's it. Um, I mean, and how, when you, you talked about, okay, two years out was that that study and the gray matter doesn't come back um you know how long do some of these changes how are they permanent you know how long do they last yes they're permanent um when we talk about like pruning of gray matter it's you know not something that necessarily you can gain back and the brain is very um again neuroplastic and neuroplasticity so it's um definitely has the ability to like recoup certain things but Evolutionary evolution doesn't require us to have to recoup ways to mm. reorganize our brain in that sense. You know, mm-hmm. our bodies were in our brains and through evolution were designed to, you know, think about and interact with our children in this kind of way. And mm-hmm. so those changes are permanent. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a study that came out of Yale that also showed pictures of, um, so with the study in Barcelona, they showed pictures of like the mother's infants and that's like kind of activated mm-hmm. this this attachment area um and so then this study that came out of Yale um showed um or played um videos of children crying oh yeah oh, yeah Lord. exactly um and what they noticed there is that it activated the same parts of the brain that activates OCD mm-hmm. so when we hear children crying we naturally feel distressed and anxious and that 
gradually goes away. Um, but I think most parents are like, oh, every time I hear a baby cry, there's still that part of you at least Mm -hmm. some point that's like, Ooh, um, yeah. -hmm. Yeah. But for some people, you know, that part of the brain gets activated. Um, it's very common in postpartum to have like a postpartum OCD or postpartum. It's a kind of a subset of postpartum anxiety. Mm -hmm. And so part of that is the brain getting again, reactivated Mm -hmm. and then just being triggered Mm -hmm. by lots of different things. Wow. And no, I was just going to go, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think another kind of way to think about the, how hormones work in terms of Nikki moms is the whole breastfeeding and nursing and pumping. Mm -hmm. Um, the definitely in the NICU, I feel like there's a lot of pressure and onus on the mom to produce milk because it's a very positive thing for a, a NICU baby to get, uh, for a lot of reasons. Uh, but that also kind of extends elements of like the elevated hormones, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so how how can that kind of play into how the body and brain change? Well, um, that is it's a good question in the sense that we know that there's certain hormones hormones released during breastfeeding, mm-hmm. um, oxytocin, kind of the bonding one. Um, but for some women, uh, there, there's a condition called DMERS, so dysphoric milk ejection reflex. And so what it is, is when you actually have negative emotions Mm. while breastfeeding. And so oftentimes women will experience it during letdown. Mm. um, And people talk about, or women will talk about feeling touched out, disconnected, not wanting to be around their child, Mm. just feeling just the need to kind of get away. And a lot of that can come if you're experiencing this, the demers. um, And they only experience it or they experience it more when they are breastfeeding Mm. because of the hormone release and the longer you breastfeed obviously the more hormone impact you're going to have Mm -hmm. um yeah does that kind of answer Mm -hmm. no i mean it definitely does i think it's i I think it's wild that there is there's still so much unknown too yes and um you know if there are some like amazing researchers out there you better get on it yes because there's a little niche there for you but i think that it's it's uh, it's pretty incredible that it's still kind of mysterious in some ways. Well, and, you know, so the United States, kind of go off on like, it's a little bit of a tangent, um, but I think just talking about women's health in general, um, you know, doesn't actually track maternal suicides. Hmm. We're one of the only first world or developed nations that doesn't track that. Right. And the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology didn't come out with like a formal screening guideline until like 2010. Wow, that's not that's that's very close to now. Yeah, that's very correct. That was only ten years ago. Oh my goodness! Yeah, yeah. And so when we talk about you know, there's not a whole lot of research or things like that. There also hasn't been a whole lot of importance placed Mm -hmm. on maternal mental health. Yeah, and also we talk about you know one in ten women experiencing um, like a postpartum depression or something like that. For women of color, it's even higher. Mm And we also know that women of color tend to um, have higher um, mortality rates mm-hmm. in childbirth as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So kind of a tangent. But yeah. it does kind of go back to this idea that, you know, um, just even the way that society perceives mm-hmm. our birth experience mm-hmm. as normal or abnormal, mm-hmm. you know, and whether you spend 127 days in the NICU or one day in the NICU, 
the fact that society can tell us, well, you only spent one day in the NICU, so it's not, <laughs> right. you know, it does not as bad, yeah. or, oh, or it yeah. doesn't count, mm-hmm. or, you know, all of these different things, or, mm-hmm. you know, this the breastfeeding, I think, you know, I very much abide by a policy of a fed baby's best baby mm-hmm. um, or whatever is best for your family. Yeah. And I think, you know, there are some women out there who are like super producers and can donate breast milk, which I think is mm-hmm. wonderful. Um, but if, if this act of breastfeeding, while it is incredibly helpful, um, particularly in the, you know, production of immune system and things like that within, um, for NICU babies, if this becomes this almost, talking about almost kind of jumping ahead to feeling connected or disconnected from your body yeah. mm-hmm. to put your body through continuous trauma of, I feel like a failure. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just something to kind of think about. For well, sure. And even just hearing you talk about the different like oxytocin that's um, released during breastfeeding, you know, like you think about how for many NICU moms, your first breastfeeding encounter is not actually with your baby. Mm-hmm. It's with a mechanical pump. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. In some ways, it's like you're one NICU mom actually wrote it beautifully in her NICU postpartum, and she said, I was trying to bond with this foreign experience. I was mm. pumping to bond with this foreign experience. And I was mm. like, that is so perfect mm-hmm. because, mm-hmm. yeah, breast milk is, you know, is yes, to provide nutrients, but for it really it's to bond with your baby. And when you mm. don't have your baby to bond with on your breast, I mean, mm. that does things to your mind. I mean, it's just not what. Oh yeah, intended to be. You know, it's interesting too because it also is like so closely associated with um, medical. The idea of medical and medical environments. You need to do this right. Right. The whole idea of trauma, I think, associated with birth and NICU is there's a complete lack of control Mm -hmm. over something that you planned for maybe your entire life for. Uh, It's an experience that you have put this image in for your, you know, this image in your head of what it's going to be like. And so, um, it's just so starkly different than what the media presents childbirth to be like, uh, that it's, it just completely upsets your brain. And maybe that's a good transition into talking about trauma Mm -hmm. in general, because, um, obviously trauma is subjective. Maybe that's not obvious. Trauma is subjective, but, uh, what we know is that there's like a 60% um, rate of parents, NICU parents, so that's both uh, partners, right. uh, exhibiting PTSD. And that's if they record it right, or report it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can assume that a good chunk of NICU moms are going to have had trauma associated with their birth, their postpartum experience, and the NICU experience. So how does that layer on top of all these changes that are happening in our body? Well, there's probably not a great answer to that either, I know. I think it's a multi-layered answer. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think, yeah. So trauma, very, very interesting, very complex thing. You know, you said that, you know, the trauma really kind of is in the eye of the beholder, which is very accurate. Um, like the DSM or the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual identifies trauma as having witnessed, hearing about, or um, experiencing a near-death or death experience. And I think, you know, nowhere do we teeter closer to the life-death experience than the process of birth. Mm -hmm. You know, we never know what's going to be happening. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so the way that trauma kind of impacts 
our bodies is that, you know, trauma triggers that fight, flight, or freeze response. Mm -hmm. And when that is triggered, our ability to like cognitively process um, or to process both emotionatively or emotionatively, okay, there we go, (laughs) both emotions and cognitions at the same time oftentimes kind of goes out the window a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so one tends to take over. And so either we get very cognitive about things or we become overly emotive about things. Um, and it's, it's hard to kind of piece the two of them together. So if we think about the NICU experience, um, something else that we talk about when we're kind of assessing for trauma is like repeated um, exposure to adverse stimuli. Mm-hmm. So what's more repeated than, you know, visiting your child mm-hmm. in the NICU constantly being, you know, being poked and prodded and hooked up and mm-hmm. maybe getting to touch them, maybe not getting to touch them, wondering if when you touch them, if they're so small that you're going to break them, mm-hmm. um, you know, and just wanting more than anything to just connect, but really having some difficulty in doing so. Right. Yeah. I think that's what's interesting too. I to think about, um, especially for people who have medically complex children too, the NICU isn't just one event. It's not like you had a car accident, mm-hmm. right? Um, you basically had a car accident like 15 times a day, every day for a, a long time. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe you're still in it five years out or right. whatever. So um, I, I often see us, you know, because part of new motherhood too is like the you must find resiliency, mm-hmm. you know, moms can do anything, all this stuff, but really pushing ourselves to, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's really, really hard when maybe we're still in the midst of trauma too. I don't know if you've noticed that Ashley too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Even when you said repetition, I just thought about the repetition of beeps, the repetition yeah. of the monitors, mm-hmm. the repetition of rounds. I mean, you mm-hmm. kind of get in a repetition that can be dramatic right. even. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's a lot for your brain to process. Right. And that's the chronic PTSD or chronic mm. trauma, you know, is when we're constantly being exposed to that mm. adversive stimuli. You know, when you talk about like a car accident, that's something we might call acute trauma. So we were exposed to it once. It was extremely, extremely traumatic or, mm. you know, altering but it's not like you get into a car accident necessarily every day. Mm-hmm. Um, but with like a NICU stay, it is. It is something where you're going to have to go and think about and immerse yourself in like this surrounding over and over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So and and the fight or flight or freeze, could you describe... Because I think it, it was really interesting for me when I first found out about this. I was like, oh, I, I had no idea. You know, I think about it in terms of like a bear chasing you. Mm-hmm. But what might that look like for someone who's in the mid- midst of like a medical crisis or they're in the NICU? Like, what would that maybe look like for them? Sure. So let's say, well, one, maybe the example is, is you're not even aware of the fact that this is happening. Perhaps you're intubated or, mm-hmm. you know, you've gone in for an emergency C-section and you wake up and people are telling you and all of a sudden it feels like a flood of information. You're not able to process anything. And, you know, you like you're asking some of the same things over and over again because you're not able to process like, well, where's, you know, where's my baby? Where mm-hmm. What's going on? What, mm-hmm. What's happening? Where are they? What I'm are not pregnant saying? anymore. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. but everything was fine mm-hmm. or but now you're saying that it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so that can be part of like the freeze, you know, even just like the, the, the rigidity your muscles can feel, the immobility, um, you know, people being like, move out of the way. And you're mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, you know, kind of feeling like you're almost stuck in the spot. Um, fight, you feel this kind of a surge of adrenaline. You're like, where am I going to be? Give me something to do. Um, I'm going to go in. I'm going to fix this problem, you know, mm-hmm. and then... Flight is, you know, I think it's best if I just leave and I'm just going to leave the situation completely. And mm. that's going to allow my nervous system to calm itself down a little bit. Mm. Wow. So to any mom listening, <laughs> there's a lot happening yes. in your body yep. and in your mind. Mm-hmm. So no, you are not crazy. Mm-hmm. You are not overreacting. Mm-hmm. If anything, I hope this validates that there's a lot happening. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. A lot. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think too, it's important to say, to, to start to give yourself those positive affirmations or even just slightly shift your inner dialogue because, uh, the fact that you're still standing is pretty incredible. If you've gone through chronic trauma, sometimes for 180 days or something like that. And you came home with a child on oxygen and you're providing them medical care or they're on a trach, you know, I think, um, it's really important to, to realize that, um, We've done really well with the cards that are in front of us, too. Right. So, yeah. I feel like this would be a really good way to go into the second episode because that's yes, really into how we do that. Yeah. And I really like to think about this probably in terms of this was the information section. Yeah. And then the next part is what do you do with it now? Mm-hmm. So if you were going to split up your listening, do not fret. There is a play, There's a way to move forward if you're experiencing these things and you're not alone. We're here for you. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, no, um, the next episode will kind of give some practical tools, just some beautiful things you can speak over yourself. Um, and yeah, and in this episode, of course, we'll always link Natalie's resources and where you can find her, but she will be back for episode two. Yes. Yes. If you love this podcast and would like to hear more amazing stories, please consider becoming a member of the Dear NICU Mama Patreon page. In addition to special merchandise and early access to content, Patreon members support the mission, programs, and services of Dear NICU Mama. You can find the link on the description of this episode. As always, if you'd like to hear more from Dear NICU Mama, click subscribe. Welcome to the sisterhood.